Hey everyone, it's Beverly Hallberg. Welcome to a special pop-up episode of She Thinks, your favorite podcast from the Independent Women's Forum where we talk with women and sometimes men about the policy issues that impact you and the people you care about most. Enjoy. Thanks so much for joining me today. My name is Carrie Lucas. I'm president of Independent Women's Forum, and I'm thrilled um, that you're here to listen to our pop-up podcast. And I have the pleasure of having with us um, Jillian Melkier. Jillian is um, with the Wall Street Journal editorial board, but I'm very proud that she was once an IWF fellow and become and um, remains a good friend of the organization. So, Jillian, thanks so much for for being here with me today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Excited to, to talk about this. Yeah. Well, you know, I reached, I wanted to reach out and and talk to you because um, I saw you had a great piece in the Wall Street Journal the other day, um, which is talking about an issue that I think a lot of Americans are are just now kind of is coming to light. And this is the... um, some of the problems that are cropping up that are surrounding COVID unemployment benefits. Um, and before we kind of delve into the situation that we face right now, um, I'd love to kind of take a step back and have you talk a little bit about to people about what it is exactly, what was the thought process, um, you know, a year ago uh, when, or I guess a, a little more than that now, um, a year and a half ago, when they first started, Congress first started making the determination to provide extra um, kind of almost um, a co- um, unemployment bonus payments as COVID was starting and the um, economy was starting to shut down. Um, can you kind of give a little background on what the policy was um, so we have an understanding of what's happening today? Yeah, sure. So um, I'll take you, unfortunately, back to the dark days of March 2020 when COVID was just starting and we were being <laughs> told to, to stay at home and not venture out. And we saw employment just go through the roof here as these businesses were shutting down and the federal government really wanted to incentivize people to stay at home. And so in addition to state unemployment benefits, as part of its emergency package, Congress passed an additional $600 a week in enhanced unemployment that's since gone down to about $300. Um, But I, I think what we're starting to see now, I mean, this extra $300 goes through September Um, And it's continued to become an incentive for people to stay at home, even as the economy is reopening, even as people are getting vaccinated and kind of taking a step back to normality. It's become something that's really hindered the jobs market, um, made it really difficult for employers to find people to hire. And I, I think that's impeding our economic recovery at this point. Yeah, it is interesting. I saw that there was um, some statistics kind of floating around um, the other day talking about the, the, how many workers there are um, that who are really better off. It makes economic sense, in the, at least in the short run, for a lot of people. If you can, um, you know, forego the cost of taking a, you know, taking a job or commuting to a job and end out basically the same in terms of after-tax income, um, you know, it's not, you can hardly fault people for, for wanting to take advantage of this. Um, but how how prevalent do you have a sense of of how many workers there are or what what are the kind of the types of workers that this is impacting yeah absolutely so i'll point first of all um so bank of america's economist joseph song looked at these numbers recently and he found that any worker who was lear- earning less than thirty two thousand dollars a year would basically at this point make more by going on unemployment Um, So we know that uh, a lot of people in these jobs kind of on the margins 
are having a really difficult time um, finding a job that pays more than unemployment pays. Now, businesses are trying to mitigate this. Um, I, I spoke to many business owners that have offered significant raises are paying well over minimum wage, well over the $15 an hour uh, wage that progressives have been pushing for for a while, but they just can't find anybody to work. I mean, I, I talked to one guy who runs a factory. He's offering three-day weekends. Um, he's offering referral bonuses. He's offering, if you stay with them for a certain duration of time, you get an additional benefit, um, like a bonus payment. Um, and he's still having just an impossible time. And this is something I'm hearing regardless of industry. I, I talk to restaurant owners, daycare owners, um, manufacturing sector, and also in disparate locations. So this is everywhere from the East Coast where, you know, my favorite brunch place can't open for brunch right now because I can't find somebody to work, work the brunch shift to um, middle America. And I, I think it's really becoming a problem here. Yeah, you know, it's an, a, one thing that I think is kind of a, um, when we talk about this, I feel like most of us kind of, especially those of us with kind of a public policy lens, tend to talk about things in terms of, of um, the economy and the effect on kind of some of these statistics. Um, and then sometimes we bring up kind of the cost of business or thinking about business owners. One thing I, I found it interesting is when you start breaking down some of the, the customers um, and you're talking about, you know, missing out on your brunch, um, like your favorite brunch spot. And a lot of people I think are kind of desperate to start going out out and enjoying restaurants and are frustrated seeing um, seeing uh, places closed. But I know that sometimes um, that this is another industry that's been hit with this is home he um, home health care workers. Um, and mm -hmm. this means for some folks, we, um, uh, in IWF just produced a, a video recently that told the story of a severely disabled man who's um, having a lot of trouble. He was used to have be able to hire somebody who would come in and make sure that he was could get him up and out of bed because um, he couldn't do it on his own and get him out of bed so he could use the restroom at a certain time in the morning and um, help him get into bed at night. Um, and suddenly people aren't showing up and he's having, um, you know, just tremendous quality of life issues. Um, and it really is sad. It's strange when you think of the, the challenges um, and kind of the trickle down of all the different places. Um, this causes real hardship for a lot of people out there, um, not just in terms of lost money and, um, and things like that, um, but also in, in services that we really need to be able to provide people. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, one person that I spoke to particularly springs to mind. Her name is Christy Phelps. Uh, she's 46 years old in Indiana, and she runs a home daycare. This home daycare is like her pride and joy. Um, she's just been a trooper over the last year. Like, she's got these kids coming in. Uh, school's been shut down. She's the one responsible for sitting them down in front of the camera, um, making sure they're attending class. When they need help with their homework, she's the one sitting down and doing that. Um, but basically, right now, she has about 11 pre-K kids, 15 school-age kids, but she only has four staffers, and those guys are only part-time. And so the entire brunt of this, this job is falling to her, and she's just desperate to find somebody to help her care for these kids. She knows that if the daycare has to shut down, these children are really going to miss out. So she's offered free training. She's offered to help them out with certification. She's offered to pay them as much as $25 an hour. But here's what she's competing against. Um, you know, as, as she's looking at it, basically, I'm, I'm looking at the statistic right now. In, in Indiana, um, you know, it's, it's quite a bit of money if, if you end up um, going on unemployment. 
the maximum weekly benefit at one point was $990. Now it's about $690. That's about $24.75 an hour, $17.25 an hour. Um, it's a lot of money. And that's to stay home. That's to not work. She's basically offering a job that's really high wage, but it's hard to contend with being paid about the same amount of money to do nothing. And so she's basically in a situation where um, all of this stress has fallen on her. Uh, she was telling me that she actually has trouble sleeping, that she started going to therapy because the stress has been so much to her, and that she's really afraid that if the situation doesn't change, if, if these enhanced unemployment benefits don't go away at some point and change the economics of the situation, that she's going to have to shut down this business that she's poured so much of her life into. And, you know, this is a story I'm hearing from employers across the United States. I, you know, when I wrote this story, I had a lot of people tweeting at me, well, employers should just raise the wages. And I don't think that they realize that they're not competing in many cases with a $15 minimum wage. They're competing with a 20 or a $25 minimum wage. And they're also competing with a job versus no job situation. I mean, which would you rather do, go to work or sit on your couch and watch Netflix? Um, and it's really unsustainable. I mean, these aren't big businesses. In many cases, they're family-owned businesses. Some of them have been in the family for generations. And they're coming off a year that's been just extraordinarily punishing. And I, I think it's really tragic for them that this is what could end up doing them in. I mean, they've survived all of this. Yeah. They survived the lockdowns. They survived COVID. And now uh, federal policy that's really counterproductive is what's threatening their business. Yeah, you know, and it is, it's funny because I do think that, um, that obviously we all know that the instinct, we all want there to be a safety net to help people who can't work or who are, um, are looking for work and can't find it um, to avoid kind of the worst of what unemployment is. But we also know that there is real costs um, and long-term costs to basically making, creating these incentives for people to stay home um, because long-time term employment, um, unemployment has, a, you know, is a drag on future wages and future kind of economic growth, um, you know, I do worry that this is, you know, by really incentivizing these long-term unemployments, people are missing out on skills and are going to be earning less years down the road. This isn't good economic news. It's kind of, um, you know, it's false kindness to encourage people to make that choice to stay home and watch Netflix instead of doing the, the you know, not always pleasant, but important work of getting up and having a job and having a job record um, to live on. So this can be something that has, can have lasting damage, I think, in the future. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right on that. I mean, I, I was really surprised. Um, I was looking at the National Federation of Independent Business. They surveyed small businesses, and they found out that 42% of them had jobs they couldn't fill. Then I looked at the National Restaurant Association, um, their numbers. They found that one in four restaurants actually say that at this point, recruitment and hiring is their top concern. So they're more worried about that right now than they are even about covid and it, it's just kind of crazy. I mean, if you look at um, some of the federal numbers coming out right now, um, just this last month, how many jobs are open right now? It, it's, it's about, I believe, over 8 million. It's, it's a considerable amount of jobs that are open right now. Yeah, businesses just can't find these employees. And I, I think you're absolutely right that this isn't just about the fragile state of our businesses and them trying to survive. It's also about who's going to miss out on that opportunity, who's going to miss out on that skill set to become a contributing uh, member of society and an, a contributing worker. I mean, this, this is our recovery at stake, basically.
Yeah. Well, you know, so what are the prospects? Is this, do you think that um, if you said that the deadline or they're expected to go a current law is that they'll be um, phased out in September? Um, I assume there's no hope that that's going to be front loaded, even as you, most of the country is now really moving rapidly to, um, to begin lifting restrictions and allowing businesses to resume. Um, so it seems like this doesn't make any sense anymore, but are they, is there any chance they're going to be moved up or do you worry that they might even push the deadline back in September? What, what are the prospects? <laughs> well, I think a lot of business owners I talked to are really uh, concerned that this might be extended beyond September. But I think we're also starting to see a movement at the state level uh, to push back on this perverse incentive to stay at home, to not go out and get a job. So last week you saw in Montana uh, the state announcing that by the end of June, they're not going to accept that enhanced unemployment. They're doing away with the extra 300 bucks. And since then, you've also seen Alabama, Arkansas, Mississippi, South Carolina, all announcing that they're going to do the same thing. And that's really because they've realized that this is a perverse incentive, that it has come to the point where it's hindering economic recovery. Um, and so they're not going to do it anymore. So it, it'll be fascinating to see what employment looks like in those states that are opting out of enhanced federal unemployment benefits compared to the states that are still accepting them. Well, that's, yeah, that's absolutely um, fascinating. That's like, a, it is an interesting federalism at its best. We can see what the consequences are. Um, and, and it's promising, uh, you know, to hear the states, states are moving in that direction. Um, well, Julian, I, you know, I thank you so much. I so appreciate your great reporting in the Wall Street Journal. I love watching you and I feel like a proud, um, you know, IWF mom in a way and, and being able to, to watch how, how wonderful um, all your work is. So, so thank you for being here with me today. And to everyone, Everybody listening, thank you so much for, for joining us, and please be sure to tune into the next um, pop-up episode um, here at IWF. <laughs>